It's been a while, friends. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And this is finally a brand new episode of Sister Strange. Gosh, it's been like a month. <laughs> yes, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. So it's mostly my bad. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I was working on a big project for the podcast, um, which I'm not going to talk too much about because um, it's still a pro- like a project in the works. It'll just have to be pushed back um, quite a bit further. Um, and that project took up a lot more time than I thought it was going to. So Holly and I eventually looked at each other and we were like, let's just move on. I'll work on that in bits and pieces in off weeks and as a, as I think of it. Um, how are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah. Honestly and truly. Um, so Ethan and I have decided that we're actually going to take a vacation this year. Mm-hmm. And we both got approved for it. Oh, good. So the, hold on, let me pull up my calendar. 15th, 16th, and 17th of September, me and Ethan will be up in Massachusetts, which is very exciting because we're also going to Salem. Yay. Yay. That's a good time, too. Yeah, it's right before October, so it's not, like, super touristy, but it's still warm enough that if we want, we can go to the beach. Um, We're going to be up in a very small town, like, 10, 15 minutes outside of Salem, so we're not right in Salem. Yeah. We need it. (laughs) We're tired. Yeah, you do. do. Um, Um, I'm going on vacation, too, actually. (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. When? Um, last week of August, um, I'm going to be visiting Ducky. You didn't tell me that. A surprise. I'm going to be visiting Ducky. Um, Rude. And I will be meeting Steph for the first time. What's up, Steph? Um, and I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of weird stuff while I'm in Texas. Oh, that's um, super exciting. Please be careful. Because I will be Texas. super careful. Because Texas. <laughs> because I'll be super careful. Texas. Nothing against to, like... Nothing against Texas, have, but a but lot Texas. of things against Texas. Um, um, nothing against our listeners that currently reside in Texas. No, we because love if you you're guys. listening to this podcast, you probably share a very similar view to me and Corey. I hope so. Otherwise, that'd be really awkward. Mm. Just very strange. But that's super exciting. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna do some fun stuff. Um, take a drive out to Marfa. I think we're still planning on going to Marfa. So Marfa Lights. Um, Marfa is where they filmed some stuff from Giant, um, the James Dean movie Giant. Um, so it's got some like giant, like plywood cutouts. There's like this weird, it's like a whole weird artsy town. I'm excited. I'm not familiar. I'm super excited. I'm not familiar with that. Um, so so in the last month, (laughs) um, so many things have happened. So many things have happened. They keep popping up on my Facebook feed, and every time they do, I send them to Corey so I don't lose them. Yeah, so Holly's going to sort of talk about the last month in weirdness, like true crime. and It's a lot of true crime. It's it's mostly true crime. Um, there's, okay, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of true crime. Oh, my yeah. God, there's a lot of true crime. So back in April, all the way back in April, um, 
Well, we just probably missed this. Or we talked about it. Do we talk about this? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Um, so, a lot of cases are now being solved due to familiar, familiar DNA. And a woman's DNA search for her biological parents helped ID a 1980s murder victim. Ooh. So that's exciting. I'm just going to read the titles and go from there. Um, Kurt Cobain's file has been released by the FBI after 27 years. Oh, really? Yep. Um, There was a second suspected case of Havana Syndrome near the White House. I saw that. I did see that. Um, Saturn News, Samuel E. Wright, the voice of Sebastian the Crab. Sadly passed away at 74. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian scientists are closer to solving the uh, Mr. Summerton mystery. I can't get the thing to load because... Mr. Summerton, Mr. Summerton, Mr. Summerton. Dude on the beach by himself. Oh, um, hold on. Let me pull that one up. Because I'm fascinated with that ca- that case, yes. the Summerton Summerton man. Um, yes. It's an Australian case. This dude, they literally just found a body on the the beach, um, but he had all the t- uh, tags of his clothes had been taken out. No identification. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's exciting because that case is 1948. Yes, um, that's super exciting. Um, a little bit more recent, um, if any of you are familiar with the Molly Bish case, uh, prosecutors have named a person of interest, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Um, a 76 year old Minnesota man has been arrested in the 1972 murder of 15 year old Julie Hansen. So many old cases are being, yep. Taken care of now. And the last thing I have is two Montana sweethearts who were fatally shot in 1956. That case was solved as well. Like solved, solved? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, again, a lot of it has to do with uh, familial DNA. So the person that they had suspected of... Um, causing this had well unfortunately passed away but I guess someone submitted DNA and it was like a really close match Mm. so either a grandfather or an uncle okay so that's cool um if any of you guys listen to the murder squad yay Jensen Hall is the murder squad yes um they or if any of you have done um like ancestry or 23 and me and things like that they actually if you go to the website i believe they have instructions on how to submit like your raw dna to um yeah. i forget what the thing's called it's it's we'll link it in the description for this uh for this episode can't recommend doing something like that enough yeah, because, it's so super I mean, that's scary. how that's how the Golden State Killer was solved. Yeah, that's one of the most of... prolific rapists 
of the 70s was caught by a familial DNA. Yep. So. Excuse me. So that's super exciting. Um, cannot recommend it a lo- enough. Um, if any of you have done it, we'll, Corey will link all of the important stuff on how yeah. to. Um, it's something I've thought about. Just 23andMe and things like that are expensive. Yes, they're very expensive. Um, so, But it's in I the would, cards. Yeah. It's in the cards. I would love to do 23andMe. But <laughs> all I hear is Zorn sniffing underneath the door. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's expensive. But Plus, when I you don't can get your my chances of like cancer and stuff like that. Well, you don't have to. I mean, there's you don't there are things you don't I have know, to know. know. So. But my morbid curiosity would be like, who? What could I be dying of? I mean, we know our family history. Oh, yeah. So. 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 This is a big one. This, we're kind of, we're kind of capitalizing. But we're not at the same time. A little time. bit. We're a not, little bit. we don't get paid to do this. So no. So capitalizing at all. We're not sponsored to do this. No. But. But if anybody like HelloFresh or Caliper or anything like that wants to sponsor no. us, we won't no. say no. No. Um, oh, speaking of HelloFresh, real quick, um, A-plus customer service, by the way. Yeah, what happened? Um, two weeks ago, our package was actually completely destroyed by UPS. Ah. So I had to contact customer support and be like, so what are we going to do to fix this? Um, they refunded me and gave me a credit for a free loaf of garlic bread. And your girl loves carbs. Yes, garlic bread. Um, but yeah, and they credited my account, so I'm actually saving a little bit of money on my next few boxes because nice. UPS decided to be angry with my package. Ex- excessive. And And it's not like... I know where the distributing plant is. It's in New Jersey. That's not a long haul. And it's overnight no. shipping. How does this someone's happen? Just, someone's just real mad about it. <laughs> like, home skillet, I get free boxes every once in a while. You don't have to be mad. I will give you one. Just don't right. destroy my stuff. <laughs> but I'm glad they're, they're doing right by you. Oh, they're so... It's I... For anybody who works a full-time job or even a part-time job or multiple part-time jobs and you don't have the time to cook, look into HelloFresh. It is so worth it. I've recommended it to a whole bunch of my coworkers. It makes everything so much easier. It really does. And we're not sponsored by them. I'm saying this because it's just so much easier. A fan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. So... Anyway, so we're not sponsored to do this episode, um, and we are we are kind of capitaliz- capitalizing on it. Um, but we're talking about a case that's kind of in the news again recently. This is a case from the early 80s, um, and it's in the news again because a feature film has come out detailing um, spe- specifics. So we are talking about The Devil Made Me Do It case. 
If you aren't familiar with it, we're talking about the case behind the most recent Conjuring movie. Now, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Oh, boy. So, we're just, for 90% of this, we're just going to be talking. Because I've yeah, seen the film. Gonna... Corey has not seen the film. No, but I've read a relatively difficult book to get a hold of. Um, that Which is pretty much, not first-hand account, but it's a very detailed account of the uh of the events of this case you're welcome yeah holly got it for me for <laughs> christmas um i were talking like if you go, if you put this book into amazon like four hundred dollars for a first edition copy because they are almost impossible to find um nope. holly didn't spend that kind of money but nope. it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful reprint copy so yes um but a lot of this is just going to be us talking. Um, yeah. And a lot of resources you guys can use is our friends over at Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I have found a great uh, article on AOL that actually breaks down the fact from the fiction of the movie. Um, excuse you. <laughs> um, I found the original news article from when this gentleman was arrested um i found an interview with oh my god what's his name not david the other brother uh carl or the other one carl Uh, jr carl carl i found a um i found an article on that there's an all that's interesting article on YouTube, you can find the original interview with the Warrens from the seven or eighties, uh, and most recently on Discovery Plus, there's a shock doc called "The Devil Made Me Do It" that has recent interviews with everybody um, mm. that's still alive. But with that being said, our home state of Connecticut is famous for many things: the Mark Twain House and Museum, Yale University, Mystic Seaport notoriously high taxes, as well as being one of the original 13 colonies. But did you know that we also have the first murder case where the defense used demonic possession as their stance? This is the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, also known as the Devil Made Me Do It case. Now, I've seen the film. It came out a couple weeks ago, and I have feelings. (laughs) So before we talk about the murder, um, let's talk about where the devil comes into this. Okay, let's let's talk about the players and and why uh, what's going on here. So let's start with the Glatzel family. Okay, yep. Mom Judy, Dad Carl, um, daughter Debbie, and then there were three boys, I believe. In- There's. Uh, in both the documentaries that I watched, it only ever mentioned the two. I want to say there's a third brother, um, but my book is not next to me. Anyway, um, daughter Debbie, there is son Carl Jr. Um, there is who is at the time like 15, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like a like a mid teenager. Um, Debbie is 21, I think. Debbie's about Debbie's about twenty one, um, and then there's David who is twelve at when this all starts. There's also Debbie's 
young son. Um, what was his name? Again, nothing I saw was ever mentioned. She's, she's got a young son as well, um, who's sort of in David's age range. Um, maybe not quite that old. Um, maybe like seven or something like that. And then we've got the Johnsons, which is, um, Arnie, who's got, and Arnie's got two sisters and then a cousin who's living with him and his mother. When this all started, (coughs) bless you. Thank you. Sorry. When this started, Arnie and Debbie were living with Arnie's mother in Bridgeport. Bridgeport was really expensive at the time, inner city, um, and they needed to get sort of out of the area. So they found a little place in Newtown. Again, super close. Um, sound, sounded great. Everyone was moving in together. Um, Mrs. Johnson and the girls would be in the house proper. Arnie and Debbie would be in the little sort of ensuite apartment and Debbie's little guy. Um, but the moment they set foot into this house in Newtown, the vibe was sort of off. Um, there's a locked door to the basement that they were told never to touch. Um, the landlord's daughter was still in the little sort of in-law apartment and was planning on staying through August, even though she was supposed to be out the day before the uh, the Johnsons moved in. Um, and then there was an incident where David was sort of attacked by the waterbed. It sounds silly yet that, like on surface level, um, gives you sort of Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Yeah, it does. But this is a 12-year-old kid in the early 80s who's being smothered to death by a – or feels like he's being smothered to death by a waterbed. Um, there was another moment where some of the boys were locked in that room, the waterbed room. Um, and the whole vibe was just off. So they decided they're going to stay at the Glassels, uh, Arnie, Debbie, and – her son, say the Glatzels. Um, but David started having visions. Um, and he, David claimed that the reason he was stuck in, in smothered, felt like he was being smothered in the waterbed was that an old man was holding him down. Um, and David started having visions of their dog pawing at the back, at the door into the, um, to the basement they'd left the dog overnight to see if he could just like settle in get him comfortable um just to see how he'd do and indeed when they came back the next day to finish unpacking um this dog's paws were bloody from scratching at this basement door so like this is weird um david claimed that the old man also appeared as sort of a stereotypical devil um red skin horns pointy beard um the uh the family sort of concluded that the vibe the energy in the house was just off we're not doing this which caused a rift between arnie and his mother um they tried to convince his mother to to not move in but they had nowhere else to go they had sunk literally their life savings into this house 
So Mrs. Johnson and the girls stayed. Arnie and Debbie moved in with Debbie's parents. And it got just got worse from there. David started exhibiting what be, what eventually settled into full bone possession, um, which is where the acclaimed demonologists and Lorraine Warren came in. Um, David kept seeing visions and multiple entities around the house. Um, and I think by the time everything was said and done, the grand total of individuals, individual entities that David was seeing was 43. David was beaten, choked, um, levitated. He would speak in tongues. Uh, and all in all, there were three lesser exorcisms. So where things get a little tricky is when the Warrens reached out to the Archdiocese of Bridgeport or the Diocese of Bridgeport to ask for a full-blown exorcism. Three different priests from the area were in the Glatzel home and witnessed this possession. I mean, David was blowing up like a balloon and turning purple and and his tongue was swelling, but he was still speaking really clearly. It was kind of awful. Um, but Bridgeport, the Diocese of Bridgeport, refused to go for the full-blown Rituale Romanum, um, and there were three lesser exorcisms before this whole situation was over. This is all June, I think. Yeah. June or July of 1981. By October, they, the Warrens recommended and went ahead and contacted Brookfield police, um, that things were becoming dangerous. I mean, there were moments when uh, family members were stabbed, like surface level, but they were stabbed and harmed. Um, Carl Jr. was being affected negatively. Um, Carl of the kids, this is why I think there's a third brother and I, I just don't remember. Um, Carl Jr. was sort of described as the really quiet, uh, really, really just down to earth, like no trouble kid. He was telling his, he was like cursing out his family and, you know, David's faking it and that sort of talk. Um, David, at one point, uh, they were out for a drive. They they felt comfortable after one of the exorcisms to take David out and about. And David, in the front seat, because this was the 80s, right, and, and car safety was not really a thing. So I believe it was Judy, David, and maybe... Arnie in the front seat or Debbie there was another person in the front seat and David slid his foot over and gunned it in Brookfield Center oh god gunned this car like speeding down and managed to stop just before he hit they uh they managed to stop the car just before it hit pedestrians um so mm -hmm. 
let's explain Brookfield Center real quick for Go people for who don't know. Yeah. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is pretty much the epicenter of Brookfield. Ed- Downtown Brookfield. More downtown Brookfield. But in the 80s, I'm assuming because I wasn't there, I'm like little mom and pop shops and things like that. Like, I feel like it would have been very, very busy. Right. Especially if if we were in October-ish, so around Halloween. Right. And if you ever, if you want to close your eyes and think of what Salem looked like in Hocus Pocus or what Stars Hollow looked like in Gilmore Girls. That's kind of what Brookfield is. Um, at least I'm, I, that's what it was kind of. Yeah. Um, so here's where things start to get tricky. Like, the possession of a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Uh, David and I have the same birthday, by the way. Aww. Um, yeah. Where the possession of a 12, 13-year-old boy isn't already tricky. During the final exorcism, um, Arnie did the arguably one of the worst things you can do to a demon or spirit in... A raw situation like this. What do you think he did, Holly? I know what he did. What did he do? He invited the demon to take him instead. It was a challenge. Because um, Arnie at the time was 18, 19 years old. He was a couple years younger than, than Debbie. Um, yeah. And he was like, this is a fat little kid. You know, you're going to pick on someone like that? Pick on someone your own size. And... It did. <laughs> um, Ladies and gentlemen, don't challenge the supernatural. No, no. It's never a good idea. Don't do it. No. Um, and from what I read in uh, The Devil, Connecticut, Devil in Connecticut by Gerard Brittle, which is this the book that we were mentioning earlier that's sort of notoriously hard to get, um, several people at several points warned Arnie not to do this. I know a priest actually... At least one priest took him aside and, like, knocked it off. The Warrens told him not to do it. Um, but Arnie at the time was a cocky 19-year-old kid who just wanted to see his girlfriend's kid brother well again. And from what I understand, Arnie and David had a really good relationship. Like, they that were tight. was a little buddy. Mm-hmm. Um... From that point, Arnie started blacking out a little bit. They talked about, or there was a moment mentioned in the book where they were sitting in church, Arnie, Debbie, and and some of the other Glatzel family, and he just started, like, cursing in church. Get me out of this church. Um, you know, this damn church. I don't want to be here and it's sort of that sort of stuff. But he had oh. no. <laughs> Holly and I were raised Catholic. <laughs> Holly and I were raised Catholic and we were given the choice shortly after our, uh, first communion if we wanted to hang out to it. And we were like, nah, I'm good. I mean, it's just, it's just not something that fulfills us. So, that way. 
let me put it to expand on that. You more than I. I chose to stop going to church. However, I was still very involved with the youth group mm-hmm. because I had friends that were in the youth group. And the woman that ran it didn't make it overtly Jesus. Like, she was very chill. Right. She wanted it to be more of a safe space where kids could go, especially, like, after school or whatever. Um which is honestly what I think it should be. There was a little bit of religion mixed in, but nothing like in your face. Right. It's just not something that I think that fulfills either of us um, in the way that it fulfills religion others. and faith should fulfill somebody. Yeah. Um, do I find it fascinating? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It, am I going to church every week? Absolutely not. Nope. I think the last time I was in church was for my best friend's wedding. Last two time years ago. I was three years ago almost. Last time I was in a church was a little over three years ago because Ethan had politely asked me to go with him and being supportive was like fine. Yeah, why not? Um, so during this time, or shortly around this time after David's final exorcism, which worked. I mean, David was never possessed fully again. Um, Debbie and Arnie and Debbie's little guy moved into an apartment above a dog grooming or like a kennel, right? Um, And this kennel was sort of notoriously in disrepair. Alan Bono, the owner, had no idea what he was doing. Um, The dogs were underfed, not taken care of. Um, And so Debbie was hired as a groomer um, for the – and Arnie was a, sort of like a tr- like a landscaper, um, so he was taking care of he he was you know taking care of the property. He worked for a tree service. The um, professional name they gave him in all of the documentaries was tree surgeon, and I love that. Yes, I remember tree surgeon in uh, in the book as well, um, which I think is just what you put it on paper. But he was just kind of like a landscape guy. I mean, um, there's hey. There's nothing wrong with that no. profession. No. It's a good profession, and I like the title. <laughs> Tree surgeon. So let's talk about the murder. Do you want to talk about this, this, or do you want me to talk about this? I'll let you talk about this, because I'm more into the... The legal? More into the legal and more into the correlations between the film and... The actual case. case. Okay, sure. I have more on the case. I have more on the pop culture. February 16th, 1981. Um, Arnie didn't go to work. He hung out with Debbie, who was also with his um, younger sister, Wanda, and cousin Mary. Mary was um, the cousin of Arnie's that lived with him and his, his mom and his sister at the time. Alan Bono was sort of a notorious drunk. Um, and according to Debbie and the girls, they decided to stay for pizza, um, mostly because they didn't want uh, Alan in their space. Um, my brain just stopped. Hold on. So they sat down, they started pizza, Alan was continuing to drink and continuing to be, um, 
kind of agitated and a little belligerent. Um, so Debbie insisted that everybody leave because I mean, you know, nine ish. Um, and so it was Arnie and Debbie and Wanda. Mary at the end, Alan actually restrained Mary at one point um, and refused to let go. Arnie went back into the apart back to the apartment to try to release Mary from Alan Bono's gra- uh, grip. Alan Bono was stabbed, stabbed. Alan Bono was stabbed four or five times with Arnie Johnson's pocket knife. Um, he was found, uh, Alan was transported to the hospital um, where he died several hours later. Arnie was found wandering um, sort of in the neighborhood of the Glatzel family home. Um, he was held on bail uh, $125,000, and this is the first unlawful killing in Brookfield, Connecticut. This sort of became a media blitz after that, um, because as soon as the defense attorney said they were seeking a not guilty verdict, a plea of not guilty by possession, it sort of got a little out of control. So, um, just real quick about that. This mm-hmm. is the first type of plea in United States history. Yes. There has there was I think one or two other cases that tried to use that defense. One wasn't I think they were both in the uh UK at the time. But this is the first one in the states. Right. Um and with when you think about like the Salem witch trials in a similar vein, um it's 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 amazing that this is the first case. But you're also talking early 80s, so you're at the beginning of the satanic panic, right? Yeah. So even if, even if, let's for a moment assume that Arnie Johnson was not telling the truth. Let's, let's assume that Arnie is lying, okay? Mm-hmm. Being at the early 80s in the middle of the, at the beginning of the satanic panic, Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Um, now, because you've got David's relatively well-documented possession attached to it, I find it hard to believe that this is unrelated to that. Does that make sense? No. Okay. I could just not be processing the information correctly. We're going to move on. Um the his defense attorney was planning on bringing in all kinds of specialists and experts um was going to subpoena the priests who oversaw david's exorcisms um the court case the trial began on october 28th 1981 and they attempted to enter that not guilty plea but the judge really quickly rejected it which kind of infuriates me um, what also infuriates me is the way that Arnie's sister and cousin were interrogated. Now, Mrs. Johnson had been ill or, or injured for some time um, and was not able to be present while 
the girls were uh, questioned. So legally, because they're minors, they're minor witnesses, they don't need an adult. But you've got a nine-year-old who's being asked to sign her name to something she does not understand. Um, and because of that, because they were kind of coerced and forced into giving statements um, that didn't align with what they knew to be true, the girls were eventually treated as hostile witnesses on the stand. And hostile witnesses are treated a little more aggressively um, than other types of witnesses. So you've got prosecutors who are treating nine-year-olds aggressively because they are they're testifying to something they know to be true, which is not their statement. Everything that surrounds surrounded the girls, from what I can tell and what I've read, bothers me in, like, 12 different ways. <laughs> um, over the next, over, because the defense of not guilty by um, possession was thrown out, they sort of went with a self-defense um, because they tried to spin it in that Arnie was protecting his cousin, Mary. Which um, effectively he was. Effectively he was. Um, effectively he was. Because had Alan Bono not died, that what he did was a felony in restraining a child. Um, so because they went for the self-defense, um, the self-defense route, they could not bring up, legally they could not bring up the possession aspect as an explanation for the killing. So this judge completely foiled this defense. Over, for 15 hours, over three days, the jury deliberated and convicted Johnson on November 24th, 1981, of first-degree manslaughter. Um, so they didn't see enough to go for murder, first-degree murder. Um, they didn't see a premeditation, and because probably some of that self-defense made sense, um, they sort of went with the manslaughter charge. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, um, and he was back in at the Bridgeport Correctional Center. Um, Devil in Connecticut actually printed a letter from Arnie to David um, talking about how, you know, keep reading your Bible. You're working on make, making your confirmation. I wish I could hang out with you. Um, and he served only five of his uh, 10 to 20. So he was out by 1986. Now, while he was incarcerated, he did get married to um, Debbie. Mm -hmm. uh, not Debbie. Uh, brain stopped working. Debbie. No, Debbie's the cousin. No, Mary's the cousin. Debbie's the girlfriend. You're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> him and Debbie did get married. Um, they are, as of right now, still married. Both of them are still living in Brookfield. Um, which, good on them. But 
they, uh, yeah, they originally wanted to get, convict him for first degree murder and try to go for the death penalty. Uh huh. Which, yeah, you killed someone, but I feel like that's excessive, especially with a now self defense. Like, I'm glad the jury had... The sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Don't stab people. <laughs> and no. if you are stabbing people, it better be in self-defense. Stab them for the right reasons. Stabbing is only okay if you do it for the right reasons. We probably shouldn't. I'm going to edit that out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Stabbing is bad. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now this gets into the more pop culture aspect of it. So there have been a handful of either made-for-TV films, documentaries, retellings, stories, articles, you name it, it has been published. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about the most recent adaptation of this case. Let's do. So, earlier this well, late last month, um, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, came out on both in theaters and on HBO Max. I have a subscription to HBO Max, so the second it came out, I watched it. I have so many feelings, and I'm... I wish they spent more time on the original Possession. Mm-hmm. Because what they focused on didn't make sense. So, in the beginning, yes, they focused on major spoilers, just FYI, if you have not seen this movie, um, and you would like to see it not spoiled, here's your warning. So, there are major plot points that bother me, mostly the fact that in the film... The reason why he would, why Arnie was possessed was because the family was cursed. Well, they sort of, I mean, that's, that's not, not to interrupt, but from what I understand in the book, that's true. That was but, a point that was made in the book that they, the family sort of vacationed with another family who wound up being Satanists. Um, but like, again, like, I feel like it's like the the Judy said something along the facts. So it's like there's a lot of velvet and skulls and black candles. You can just which, picture the Warrens just face palming. Oh yeah, just Lorraine, um, dude. So, which is okay, fine and dandy, but the way it was portrayed in the film bothered me. Mm-hmm. For the specific reason, they connected it to a, quote, case in Massachusetts that never happened. Mm-hmm. Why? Right, right. There was enough information where they could have taken the original possession 
gone with that and carried through the end of the trial. They didn't have to add this extra subplot. Um, okay. The cousins were never mentioned. It was always Arnie, Debbie, and um, David. Those were the only three major. Yeah. Like I said, I'm pretty sure there were three There brothers. were a lot more. There, there, were, a there, lot were, more more, there were more more children involved, more family involved. Yeah. Um, there was a dog that died event- at one point. Oh. Yeah. I don't think yeah. there was a dog dying. Yeah. Um, Spoiler, does the dog die? Yeah. yeah. The dog dies. Um, not the sheepdog, not not Arnie and Debbie's dog, but Arnie and Debbie's bed wound up at a neighbor's house for storage, and that neighbor's Aww. dog got hit by a car, allegedly because of the... Uh, because of the... Also, waterbeds are just bad juju. Like, the old yeah. school waterbeds, not the new ones. Yeah. Our mom used to have... Well, this is like, yeah, this was like a normal bed. Arnie, Arnie and Debbie's bed that wound up the house that, with the dead dog. Uh, that was a normal, normal bed. Anyway. Um, um, also, the entire film, just because I know we're going to get this question a lot, the entire film was filmed in Georgia. Yes. It was not filmed in actually, at all. I actually, um, a YouTuber that I, I'm sort of really into, uh, Rachel Maxey, um, she actually got a, a paid uh deal with the studio um to do a like a post and like a look based on the case so she did a sort of because you know Lorraine Warren's fashion mm-hmm. is such a thing um she did a post about, like as Lorraine Warren um so I commented on it I was like hey this I mean I'm really familiar with this case it's something literally happened like three minutes from, from my house. And she's like, oh, my God, was it filmed there? And I was like, I don't think so. No, it was filmed in Georgia. Georgia. Because Georgia's got great Georgia's got great filming uh, yeah. deals for uh, movie makers and things like that in studios. I will say I think a couple overhead shots might be Massachusetts when they switch to that dumb subplot. Um, <laughs> it was... It was, watch it. it was so, so irritating because I know the case. Did they mention right. now I'm gonna ask you because mm-hmm. I don't have the book. Did they mention anything of Arnie having pos- possession like symptoms, finger quotes all over that while he was incarcerated, while he was being held for trial? They did not mention because the book came out two years after the case. Um so he was still incarcerated at the time. Okay. Um I did not uh did not see anything about that because that was a big plot too that and he was I, still that still had some still, yep. symptoms quote unquote yep um there was a um a priest gave him a bottle of holy water to protect himself mm. um that again spoilers and warning of uh self harm um that he then crushed and used to attempt to kill himself um that was a thing they brought in a priest in the prison to uh perform an exorcism for him um he was still seeing like demonic beings while he was incarcerated Mm. i don't know if any of that is based off of his actual experiences because i couldn't find anything right i also didn't look that hard (laughs) so let's play a game of where are they now um, yep. Would you have more? Sorry. Are you? Um, 
Do you have more opinions? I do. I have a lot of opinions, but I can. Um, How was it as a piece of cinema, like as a as movie? A piece of, as a movie, if I was watching it as a person who had no idea what was going on with the case, no idea about the case, I enjoyed it, but there were some cheap jump scares that were not appreciated. Mm. And the subplots that they did put in, I get it was try- to drive the plot. Mm. But it could have been done so much better. It really okay. could. Have. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the Conjuring movies. And I was about to ask how it how it held up to the other two Conjuring movies. The other two are so much better. Oh, okay. Okay. I like this one's more story driven. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not everyone else that I have talked to who who has seen it has said it's boring. And I don't. And I think it's because a they don't understand what the source material is. And B, okay. because it is so story-driven. Okay. Um, but it definitely, that's, one of those subplots definitely plays on the whole satanic panic thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's even mentioned in the movie that it's, like, oh, this is the whole satanic panic kind of thing. Right. Um, but as, if it, looking from just a film standpoint, honestly, it was a good movie. The first two were better. It's still better than uh Spanish one. La Llorona? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I did not like that. Um, you didn't care for The it. weird part is they were still, they were uh, directed by the same director. Okay. Um, I've heard that La Llorona wasn't very good. It was though. not... You're not the first person to say that. And I wanted to like it. I I feel like that source material was really good. It's a great, great legend. Um, it just, I it wasn't done well. Not and for it's you. Unfortunate. No. Because okay. I wanted to like it. Okay. So let's play a game of where are they now. Arnie Johnson was released from prison in 1986. He and Debbie got married in 1984. Um, they went on to have two kids. He lived a really quiet little life, um, keeping up with his, his sort of tree job, uh, his landscaper thing. Um, they had two kids. I don't know if I said that. Two kids yep. together. Um, so it was their two and then Debbie's son, um, Debbie passed away of cancer not that long ago. Yeah. Um, there was um, a really, at the end of this film, there was also a really nice, um, memorial to her, like, uh, mentioning her and her passing. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, um, she, and she was, a, she believed, like, the rest of her life. She was on board, um, at his side every step of the way. Um, David um, and Carl are sort of living pretty quiet, like, away from the public eye lives. Uh, And they sued uh, Gerald Brittle and Warren's over the book. Yeah. Um, 
case was dismissed. Um, uh, both Arnie and Debbie said said that they completely supported the Warrens and mm-hmm. that the Glatzels were suing simply for money, not for um, defamation or anything like that. Just because. Right. Because I um, and and to round it all out, Carl said that David's doing really well out of the public eye. Um, he's getting help for quote mental illnesses that tormented him as a child, a torment that led to many to report a total of forty three demons purportedly possessed him. Um, Which leads according me to, to my according next to um, the cinema holic. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question. Mm-hmm. Do we believe that we were possessed? Oh, gosh. So I'm going to say something kind of controversial here. Mm-hmm. Unpopular opinion. Ed Warren was a little bit of a b- Yep. Absolutely. Ed Warren, of the two, Ed Warren's a little problematic. Um, do I think that Lorraine was as clairvoyant as everyone says she was? Not really. Um. Do I think she may have been sensitive to some stuff? Yeah. Um, do I think that they made this whole case up? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the way that Arnie and Debbie believe, but David is sort of completely reverse like backpedals is a little concerning um which obviously arnie and and debbie are going to believe because that was the the defense right that was what they went in with um i don't know i don't know what i believe in this one like Enfield, when we did Enfield a couple, couple, uh, a while ago, right? I think it was like episode 20 or something, Haunting Heavy Hitters, um, yeah. Ammonville and Enfield. Yeah. So the two big Warren cases. Um, Enfield, I could really easily say probably faked. Um, you had a couple bored teenage girls in a really, really low income yeah. family. Um, Kind of like how the Salem Witch Trials started. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't... I don't know what to believe on this one. So here's my take. Mm. Debbie and Arnie are going to believe that there was a case of possession. Mm Mm-hmm. Carl, but do they do they believe that because that again not to interrupt but do they believe that because that was the that was the defense like that's are they why, that's yeah. why I think they're sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Carl Jr. has come out in many articles saying that the Warrens were exploiting David due to their like him having some kind of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Devil Made Me Do It, there's no end credit scenes or anything like that. 
but before the final credits roll, they play some of the original audio from that first. Right. The Conjuring is really good at doing them. Now, same with the um, Shock Doc on H- or, uh, Discovery Plus. They play mm-hmm. some of that audio. A lot of people say, yes, that's demon p- demonic possession. It sounds like a 12, 13-year-old trying to put on voices. I don't want to say f- to get attention, but... <sighs> Do I believe he was possessed? No. Do no. I believe he had... You're hard no? I'm a very hard no. Okay. Because this is the early 80s. Mental health was not what it was or what it is now. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the understanding of certain disorders like ADHD, ADD, things like that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. existed, but we didn't understand them. What do boys like to do when there's a deficit? A lot of the times they like to act out. Mm-hmm. One of the more common symptoms, especially in boys with ADHD, is acting out. Yeah. I don't want to say Carl Jr. was very, very, very heavily into that the Warrens exploited my brother. The mm-hmm. Warrens exploited my brother's mental illness. Especially since how much we understand now the Warrens played on the satanic panic very hard during all of this. Yeah, that's sort of the height of their uh yeah, their their caseload. Like Like I said, I believe that Arnie and Debbie are going to wholeheartedly say 100% yes there was a possession. Everybody else, at least for the Glatzels, are going to say no. And so. I'm going to have to agree with them because yeah, they were devout Catholics, but at the same time, how well do you know your own kid? How well are you going to be able to pick up on behavioral changes because something new was happening? Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to have to say a hard no. <laughs> okay. Because how many times have we seen quote, demonic possessions be something like a more serious mental illness. Like your schizophrenia, like your um, uh, more heavy paranoia, more like debilitating mental illnesses. A lot of the times they were tagged as demonic possessions because nobody understood them. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where I stand on it. Yeah. I mean, this as a case in and of itself is, is ridiculous and interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like our hometown thing. It like, is. It's our thing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this one. And like, as, as a couple of people who are so into the paranormal and so into the supernatural and, and that sort of thing, 
At the same time, I don't want to discredit the Warrens, even though I know Ed was like a grade A sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to discredit Lorraine because she was ridiculously smart and, and so with it and so sincere about what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It feels weird to say no. Have you I think watched, I'm with you. Have you watched that interview, though? No. Go watch it later. Mm-hmm. And then let me know. Because that's another reason. Because Ed is such a big... Or was such a big... He tried to overplay this and oversell it so much. I honestly believe Lorraine thought there was something more going on because mm-hmm. I feel weird about clairvoyance. I do. I believe you can be very more sensitive to things. Um, I'm more on the line of agreeing with an empath than a clairvoyant. Mm-hmm. And I feel that women are more in tune to be more sensitive. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, but I feel like a lot of the time, everyone will say, oh, whatever Lorraine said, uh, Ed would go along with it. But I feel like it was the opposite. Yes. Like, she I, would mention a feeling, and then he would start to run with it, and she would be like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, that is the kind of wild and sort of tragic um, devil made me do it case. Hi, pig pen. <laughs> the cat wants attention. Um, yeah. So if you guys have not seen the Conjuring, the devil made me do it, go watch it. Um, like I said, I watch it as a movie. Don't watch it with the actual case in mind. Yeah. It's going to be the easiest way to watch it. Um, again, that shock doc on Discovery Plus, if you have Discovery Plus, that was actually really interesting because they have up-to-date, um, up-to-date interviews with everybody. They released a few more, like, clips of the, audio clips of the possession. Mm-hmm. Um, it was done really well, if not over-dramatized, but what are you going to do? Hmm. Also, we forgot to mention something very important about this episode, Core. What did we mention about this? Forget, fail to mention about this episode. What episode is this? This is episode number 50. We've managed to put out, well, kind of, because we had two episode something or others. But this, as a concept, as as, as an individual story, is episode fifty. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us. We've we have done hit 50 a these. milestone. We have hit a milestone. This is very exciting. Yay! So, so we appreciate you guys. Um, Steph and Carlos know about our sort of upcoming project because they've received uh, prototypes, as it were. Yes. Um, and Ducky. Um, so, I don't know, we'll, 
We'll keep teasing that a little bit. Not a lot. I think I want to get that going sooner rather than later. But thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for being patient with us while we sort of got ourselves back together a little bit. Um, Any relevant images for this episode will be on our Instagram at Sister Strange Podcast. Um, If you have something weird you want to share with us, give us your opinion or questions or your opinion. Did the devil make Arnie Johnson do it? Email us, sisterstrangepodcast at yahoo.com. We have a Kofi. If you feel so inclined to support us even just a little bit, um, that's linked in the episode description and the link tree. It's kind of everywhere. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.